everybody. Before we get started, I just wanted to let you know we have published our first episode to YouTube. So if you want to know what Jason and I look like, feel free to check out the link in the episode description below or just search us up. Surely you can't be serious podcast on YouTube. On with the show. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Surely You Can't Be Serious podcast. We are here today with part two of our Van Halen series. This one is the rise and fall of David Lee Roth. Van Halen as a group with David Lee Roth at the helm, one of the most important bands of the 80s. Join us as we jump back into the history of Van Halen. I'm sorry, did you say jump back into? (laughs) (laughs) We might as well 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 jump. jump. everybody and welcome to the surely you can't be serious podcast with your co-hosts james d graves and jason colvin we're gonna pick up where we left off last time we had covered the first two singles off of van halen one awesome this is going to be the rise and fall of dave lee roth and as always please hit the subscribe button now so that you never miss an episode of the surely you can't be serious podcast so then, where are we now? The third single? Yes. So, yeah, the third single is Ain't Talking About Love. This is one of those few songs that they did with Sammy after Sammy joined the band. Uh-huh. One of the few Roth songs that made it over. And it was originally supposed to be a punk parody from Eddie, but he just said, well, it just didn't ever really sound like punk. I mean, it's be punk It's only two chords. It's A minor and it's G. It's one I was able to pick up. It's one of my favorite David Lee Roth Van Halen songs. It's so good. It, it absolutely is. And the it's one of the few ones that it was overdubbed, but it was overdubbed with an electric sitar. But he starts off that song, and he's. It, you can listen to the beginning. We'll listen to the beginning of it real quick. So you hear how the strings sound different there. They sound muffled, right? It's a technique called muting, where with your right hand you're holding the pick, but you put your palm against the bottom part of the strings. You don't press them down so much that there's no sound at all, but you press it just enough to mute the strings. Oh, cool. Okay. And so that's that cool sound, and nobody's going to say that these songs were amazing lyrics-wise. David Lee Roth did pretty much all the lyrics, and I think he'll readily admit there's no depth to there's these definitely songs, some, right? uh, some silliness. And... So Dave was uh, born into a, a family of a successful eye surgeon. While his dad was bringing them up, his, his uncle, I think, is a well-known doctor as well. And there's kind of medical family. And they expected Dave to kind of fall in their footsteps. And But Dave was known as sort of the troublemaker, uh, the high hyper-energy troublemaking kid, but uh, not medical school material. Right. Uh, if anybody can say anything about David Lee Roth, it's good. he's going to suck the marrow out of life. That's his goal, right? He definitely, party follows him around, that's for sure. His motto was, it doesn't matter whether you win or lose, it's just how good you look. I don't can't think of really a more shallow statement than that. Um, but That, that was sounds the, like Dave. That's the, that's the kind of mantra of his life. And then there, But just, you know, to, to kind of psychoanalyze maybe a little too much, if you looked at, listened to Ain't Talking About Love, it says, I've been to the edge, I've stood and looked down. I've lost a lot of friends there, baby. I ain't got no time to mess around. I think he probably had a darker side that was related to the to thinking deeply that he actively decided to avoid. 
you listen to him talk and you know he's an intelligent guy. He's scattered and obviously manic. He's manic. He's way, way manic. But there's definitely a high degree of intelligence that's going on there. But he, I think he has a fear of the deep. The next song, Jamie's Crying. This song is uh, is about a girl who she decides that she she's wanting more than just physical love. She she wants real true love, and so you can tell from the timbre of the band they've let her down easy. I'm sure. Oh yeah, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah, see you later. I'll go down the block. <laughs> the interesting thing to me about this song, yeah. Okay, Jamie's crying. 1978. We get a taste of this again. Very successful song in 1989. May have heard of it. May surprise you. Let's do it. Dunlokes, Wild Thing. Awesome. All right. So on that debut album, they, they had a lot of success. They didn't have any number ones, but it was a platinum album for them. Uh, they came back from the tour. When they come back from tour in 11 months of killing it every night hard work 11 straight months supporting the album they get back the manager of the record company says great job you guys did awesome you owe us three million dollars in a new record <laughs> what, what? What, what, what uh excuse me <laughs> <laughs> yes so they've got another album to come out with and before we leave before we leave van halen one we shouldn't forget that there are many other good songs on there, and this is one of those few albums that exists in history that is good from beginning to end. There are no bad songs. There are no throwaway tracks. Feel Your Love Tonight is one that's on there that we didn't mention. One of my favorites that we don't, it kind of gets overlooked, but it gets some radio plays called Ice Cream Man. I love Ice Cream Man. It is It was a cover of an old blues song, and it's the only song, maybe, maybe on any of the albums, I haven't really researched it out, but definitely on this album, it's the only one that Dave is playing some guitar on. He's the one for the responsible. I didn't even know Dave could play the guitar. Well, the, the song part that he's playing is not terribly complicated. <laughs> you probably play it with only two fingers, you know. But wisely, you know, Dave said when he first saw them on stage, when he before he had joined the band, he saw Eddie play and he said, what he does with his hands, I want to do with my feet and my voice. He knew his place. He knew what he needed to do, and he knew where his skill set was. Know your limitations. Absolutely. So, Jason, last week we mentioned that David Lee Roth's first band was called Red Ball Jets. I know. His first band before Van Halen, Red Ball Jets. And if you want your Red Ball Jets to be on display (laughs) this Christmas... You talking, need Manscaped.com. Are we talking about ornaments on the Christmas tree? <laughs> I'm talking about your red ball jets. If you don't want your balls to be red, <laughs> you need to check out Manscaped.com. Hey, listen. Sirius 20 will get you a... That's the coupon you use to get 20% off all the stuff on Manscaped.com. It's great stocking stuffer, and it's good Christmas gifts. Yeah, so ladies, if you're listening out there, if you want to just subtly drop the hint that, hey, I would really love it if you kind of clean things up down there, just give them this gift. It's going to be exciting, and it's going to be the hint that he needs to hear. Yeah, this is a great Christmas gift, absolutely. Again, Sirius20 is the code. You'll get 20% off all Manscaped products. Just go to Manscaped.com, put in that code, and you will get... 20% 20% off, and you'll help us out by helping our sponsor. Might as well jump. Whack it. 
<laughs> so you had Ice Cream Man, you had Feel Your Love. We have several other great songs in the album, but we obviously don't have time to go through all of those. After that, they come back. Warner Brothers said, we need a new album, and the album that comes out is Van Halen 2. Van Halen 2. Several great songs on that album. A couple of my favorites are Beautiful Girls. Their big, big hit was uh, Dance the Night Away. Dance the Night Away, a great song. Yeah, and it was again. You're seeing this this bringing what people wanted from disco into rock and roll, right? Dance the night away is is Dave obviously Dave's influence and and making something uh, showy and glamorous with the hard rock and rock behind it. That's right. Also, another uh, notable song I think is the opening one. It's "You're No Good." It's Van Halen's version of the Linda Ronstadt song. Yeah, I don't know that I've actually heard that version. Let's I wanna to listen to that. We'll, we'll play a sample of that real quick. Okay, um, well, I gotta say honestly, that was one of the rare circumstances where they took somebody's song, and I don't think they made it better. Yeah, I don't. I didn't like it that much. Yeah, no, I think Linda Ronstadt. I mean, number one, she's she's hot back then, and she and was hot. She got a great voice, beautiful voice. Usually had eagles backing her. Thank you too. Yep. Was I wonder if they backed her on that song? I can't remember. I don't know. So anyway, moving on, uh, we've uh, we've hit Van Halen too, and you know how long it took them to record this song or this it, album? Sorry. Yes, this is a crazy. I I really don't understand it, but they started recording December tenth, nineteen seventy eight. They were finished recording this album December sixteenth, nineteen seventy eight. That's six days. Holy crap! I guess they wanted to get it in before Christmas. They had to do some shopping or something. I yeah. It was released March 23rd, 1979. Okay, so they released Van Halen 1 in January of 78. They released Van Halen 2 in March of 79. And what have we got after that one? So they tour, and then the next album they they go in the studio is Women and Children First. It comes out in 1980. The big song that I remember from that album is Everybody Wants Some, which is still getting record play today. I, I love, it's still a great song. It is a great song, and for those of you who may be, uh, I don't know if you're like me, but the movie Better Off Dead with John Cusack, uh-huh. there's a big sort of dancing hamburger uh, <laughs> animation oh thing in the middle that uh, is set to Everybody Wants Some, and that's how I learned that song. That, that's a weird scene. That is a strange, strange scene. I guess. It's a great movie. We need to talk about that movie sometime. All right. So then, uh, anything else to say about Women and Children First? Uh, the only other one, uh, another, you know, another big song was And the Cradle Will Rock. And the Cradle Will Rock reached number 55 on the uh, Hot 100. At this point, you're still really not seeing very many rock songs. They are still one of the few bands that you're that you're seeing on them. 
1980 is the time when sort of Kenny Rogers and sort of pop country was big on the charts. Sure. You had Southern Rock uh, doing well as well, but it just still wasn't the hard rock other than Van Halen. They right. were the guys that were that were the soul soldiers uh, marching that tune. So after this album comes out, they go on a tour. Yep. So it's like album tour, album tour, album tour. Working hard just like they did when before they were famous. Okay. So 1991 comes along, and this whole time, Eddie's been working on material. Uh, he wants to come up with a solo album. And that's what Fair Warning was actually intended to be, was an Eddie Van Halen solo album. And that's why it's a little more darker, a little more guitar-heavy. Uh, it's creepy. You're not, you're not a fan? It's not. I, I'm not a fan. Unchained is great. Don't be wrong. I love Unchained. It's a great song. But the the majority of the album is not. It's not to my taste. And I'm not saying it's a bad album. It's and I, there are tons of diehard fans that will love it. But it's just not mine. It, it wasn't my favorite. Me either. Unchained is phenomenal. That song, that's the that's the bright shining star in that album for sure, without now, question. A lot of people don't realize, but at this time in 1981, this is when we have the first major tension between Eddie and Dave. Dave is wanting to be more pop. Eddie wants to be more rock. That's crazy because they flip sides later uh, on. Absolutely flip sides. So Dave wants to be more pop. Eddie wants to be more rock. Um, and and everybody's getting tired of Dave's ego, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and Eddie can be a pain in the butt too. And you couple him with Alex and the thing about people who are able to achieve this type of success in these type of fields is that they have to be uh, they have to be kind of full of themselves. They have to be extremely confident, which is what led them to each other. I mean, Dave right. saw Dave saw Eddie's ability and confidence on the stage. They saw Dave's swagger and thought this will be something that fits for what we want. And so obviously it works very very well but those tensions will eventually come to a head right okay so moving on past 1981 past fair warning which to me the only thing worth talking about on that album is unchained right you go into 1982 they come up with this idea that hey we need to take some time off but we want to stay relevant we want to stay out front let's i got an idea let's just do a cover song put it out there we'll make a, a video for it and we'll stay in front of people and so Dave comes up with the idea, and he says, well, let's do Dancing in the Street. Right. And Eddie says, no, I don't think that's a good one. Let's do Pretty Woman. So Eddie says, I can't find the guitar part in Dancing in the Street. Let's do Pretty Woman by Roy Orbison. And so they say, okay, let's do it. And they come up with it, and it's and it's great. And it's they put it out, and it's this massive hit. Number 12. Reach number 12, which, again, knowing that we what we know, what we've said so far, a hard rock version of pretty woman getting that high on the charts is amazing but it locks them into another issue that's right and the, the record company says you got this hit song but we don't have an album we've got to have an album you guys got to get back in the studio and produce an album to go with this hit song right which before we get into that have you ever watched the video for pretty woman no it is the weirdest okay so we know music videos at 1982 you know 
are weird and they're cheap and they're all these things. Right. 1981, by the way, just for a reminder, is when MTV first came out. Late 81, August of 81 is where when MTV came out. Right. And so in 82, the music video, there's, there's less than 300 music videos out there. <laughs> so this, mu this music video, Pretty Woman, if you watch it, you have these midgets who are sexually assaulting this woman who is tied up. Oh, my word. They are groping her. Oh, my gosh. Okay? And so Michael Anthony gets a phone call, but he's a samurai. And then he calls oh my word. his friend, Jungle Boy, Alex Van Halen, who's like, you know, he's got bones and he's like a caveman. Uh -huh. And so he calls his friend, gunslinger, Eddie Van Halen, uh -huh. who then calls his friend, David Lee Roth, who is dressed like George Washington. Okay, now actually, I can I can kind of remember that part because he had a very Adam Ant look about him um, with his yeah with his George Washington thing. <laughs> I'm thinking that I, I just have blocked out the midget problem. I don't think that's a PC anymore. Little people, the lady is being attacked by little people. <laughs> this woman is being assaulted by little people. So yeah, so, back to the album. Five of the twelve songs are covers. Right, and this is the this album is Diver Down, right? This is Diver Down. Okay, yeah. So the the album that they produce when they realize that Pretty Woman is such a big success is Diver Down, and as you said, several covers. And the band they're not getting along, and uh, they really kind of consider this Dave's album because they would never have done this many covers on an album. That's right. And this is the Van Halen brothers' very public least favorite album. Absolutely. And it, it's the least favorite, favorite album of the Roth albums for most folks, right. I think. But it. let's keep in mind, they set a world record at this point in their career, which kind of indicates it doesn't really matter that they're not doing what they feel is their best work. Um, at this, Just after their tour for this, um, they, uh, they decide they got to get away from each other. Dave goes with their head of security and they travel down to the Amazon. Now, you know, the rest of the guys are married and they've got, you know, they're going to go be with their wives and family. But Dave and a handful of security guys are down there on a boat in the Amazon in the jungle. Yep. Um, interestingly, this guy, the, the security guard who was their head of security and looked like a total kick butt guy, said that he, you know, when they put him in charge of security, the first thing that Dave said to him when he came in is, do you have a problem with uh, drugging and drinking? He says, no. He goes, do you have a problem with underage girls running around and having fun? And he goes, no. And he goes, can you roller skate? <laughs> and the guy says, no, but I can learn. And so he was he was their head of security. And he... <laughs> He developed a system where if there was going to be a problem in the crowd, they had sectors and zones of the crowd. They were like, hey, problem in sector five, row seven, man in the, in the black T-shirt. Well, Dave very quickly caught on to this uh, mapping concept. And so even in the middle of the show, he would bebop himself over to one of the security guards and go, okay, sector 15, uh, row three, red shirt, blonde, give her a backstage pass. Yep. And so all of the, there was a system, like all of the security guards would hand out the backstage passes for Dave and maybe for the other guys, but really for Dave. And they would sign their name to the back of the 
pass. And if Dave had a deep and meaningful conversation with one of these ladies that had the badge, the guy who had the name on the back of the backstage pass, he got a little extra money. Got a nice tip. That's and, right. And if it was really deep and really long, he got a lot of extra money. That's right. Um, so, Incentivizing the help. I mean, yeah, yeah, exactly. You got to know where your priorities are. <laughs> and use the system that's in place. So Dave in the jungle. So Dave's in the jungle with a security guard. They they end up in one port. They call back to the to the U.S. to talk to people, and they're like, "Hey, you guys got to get back. The we have been asked to do the US Festival." And so the US Festival was something that had been put together the year before by Steve Wozniak. The Woz of Apple computer fame. That's yeah, right. co-founder of Apple with Steve Jobs. Uh-huh. And he was disenfranchised with the 70s, which had been the me generation. And so he put together this thing called the Us Festival because he wanted the 80s to be the Us generation. And the headlining band for that for that festival was... Van Halen. Van Halen. And do you know what the record is that they set? So Guinness Book of World Record, they got $1.5 million for a 90-minute set. So they uh, they do an hour and a half set. They make more money than anybody has for that, but tensions are still high. Tensions are high. Even a million dollars an hour can't cure some of the tensions that are going on. No. Okay. So during 1983, they begin working on a new album. Yep. To come out at the very end of 1983. Yep. And that album is called 1984. For me... This is the best of the Dave albums. This is my introduction to Van Halen. Sure. This is where I jump in. But this is a new Van Halen. Yeah. So my introduction to Van Halen is the new Van Halen. Absolutely. Which is partly why I think I'm partial to Sammy later on. But the new sound begins here. So, as I said before, this was my introduction to the band as well. Um, And you couldn't help but uh, be inundated with Jump at that time in history. It It was the first single off the album. It is their only number one hit. And if you got the opportunity to watch MTV, it was on all the time and it was fascinating it was fantastic it was it was four guys on stage with no crowd i mean it's just them jumping it's like a black room with a black drop cloth i mean there's nothing happening there is literally nothing going on they're in weird clothes that you know there's uh leopard skin coats and and tatters of clothes on stuck on to, to, to Dave's body, and he's making love with the camera as much as anybody could, and then doing these amazing acrobatics. Dave's a pretty limber guy. Uh, yeah, he can do these jumping high split kick. Yeah, doing the full splits up in the air off of the drum stand. Yeah, does Incredible. a backflip in the video. Yeah, 
it, and it's it's fascinating. I remember Jump being the intro to all the Cub games on WGN. Right. On that whole summer, right? Oh wow! Jump is everywhere. The the diehard Van Halen fans uh, are are getting mixed reviews. Some of them are sticking with them. Some of them are like, I don't know what's going on with these guys. Now, if you listen to the rest of 1984, there's plenty of pure hard Van Halen hits on that one. No doubt. Um, and a couple of them are are popular. Now you know the you get those guys who think they sold out, and so then all of a sudden, if it's popular, they're not interested anymore. Yeah, I don't care about you. I hate right? those guys. <laughs> <laughs> because you love the popular stuff. I right? love any like radio friendly hits. That's what resonates with me. Right. I, I like that. I, I like that. I don't. I'm not one of these guys. Like ah, radio uh, top forty sucks. Um, before we move on from Jump, yeah, Jump was listed by the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame as one of 500 songs that shaped rock and roll. Okay, so um, 1984 is. Uh, the first um, single and biggest hit that they ever had is Jump, as we've said. And then there are three more singles that come off of that album. Panama, Hot for Teacher, and I'll Wait. Drop Dead Legs is another great song off the album, but I don't have a lot to say about that one. Drop Dead Legs is a fantastic stripper song. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I, I don't strip, so I don't know. Um, well, you know. <laughs> uh, so let's talk briefly about that, uh, the, those, t- uh, those three songs. I'll Wait uh, was, their, was a top Se- 13 hit for them. It was the second release. It went to number 13 in the Hot 100. Yep. No video. No video for that one, um, which is interesting, as, as big as, of a hit as it was, and as obvious uh, video heads that they had become, especially Dave. But more synthesizer on this song as well. But the the use of the synthesizer, I, I, I'm going to have to say, yes, it was a crossover, but that is why. This was the number one hit. That is why. That is why I'll wait. It was such a big hit. Is because that synthesizer allowed them to cross over to a broader audience than no they doubt. had ever had before. No doubt. No doubt. Um, and so they've got uh, they've got these other singles. I love Panama. Maybe my favorite song off of the album. Here's something interesting, and I didn't bring it up when we talked about Van Halen's debut album, but they covered a band when they were in their early stages called Cactus, which I had never heard before. But there is no question, I mean, the boys have as much admitted so, several of the songs that they have are, they totally have borrowed some 
part of a song. So for those of you who want to listen, maybe we can play it here in just a second. Um, Hot for Teacher, the intro to Hot for Teacher with the drums and the guitar coming in is just almost identical, basically, for a song called Parchment Farm by Cactus. Eruption uh, was a song that uh, that they the, again the intro was very similar to a song called "Let Me Swim" by Cactus, and we can play those uh, side by side as well. no question he's borrowed these you listen to him it's undeniable but he's improved them oh yeah absolutely he's mozart there's somebody that nobody's ever heard of that's right so panama reaches number 13 on the hot 100 yes hot for teacher comes out it's a this video is one of my favorite videos of all time oh yeah absolutely with the young van halen boys running around the school terrorizing right you've got miss phys ed and uh you know misspelled and miss science or whatever and those teachers running around uh it's it's fantastic absolutely you got the beginning part with waldo and waldo has you've got his kind of awkwardly uh sighing mother and then when waldo speaks he's got this unusually deep voice oh mom you know i'm not like other guys I'm nervous and my socks are too loose. You know who that voice is, right? No. That voice is Phil Hartman of Saturday Night Live fame. Oh, Phil Hartman. God rest his soul. Of course that's him. Oh, that's perfect. Gets on the bus. Sit down, Waldo. So Dave is the one that's responsible for the videos on both Panama and... Um, and Panama, you know, they. I think they... They did a thing that seemed to be happening a lot back then, which was videos of the concert where they're flying on cables. Like sure, Bon Jovi. Bon Jovi was doing the bon same Jovi thing. Bon Jovi stole that and living on a prayer? Absolutely. Bon Jovi was like bouncing all over the place. They look awful. These guys look <laughs> fun, right? They're, they're flying and drinking beer and playing the guitar. Uh, it's it's amazing stuff. And so they've their success is beyond what has it has ever been in history. They are literally at the top of their game. And... They hate each other. This is where it, it falls apart. Dave's ego is out of control at this point. Um, Eddie and, and Dave are locking horns. And Alex sides with Eddie, of course. Of course. And Michael's in the crossfire. Um, but Dave comes up with uh, a new album, a solo album, called Crazy From The Heat. Right. So he had... 
he had criticized um, Eddie in the past for uh, playing with Michael Jackson. And this is something we talked about on our first episode that uh, the you know the guys were doing other things. Michael calls Eddie. Will you play guitar in the song? Sure. album keeps 1984 from reaching number one status as an album so dave and the guys are pretty pissed about that and you see it in one of his videos that comes out from that solo album is he kind of is mocking michael jackson in the just a gigolo video that's right he does as all of this is going on is that they would they would call these band meetings to get together and write songs and talk about what was going to happen you know yeah so they would have these band meetings at eight o'clock in the morning which is crazy for a rock band to try to do anything at eight o'clock in the morning right but the group consensus is anytime you heard the words band meeting everybody was like oh gosh so eight o'clock in the morning they were supposed to be there to write and play music dave would show up about 11 start a fight and then leave yeah probably with a couple girls right right and i can totally see dave doing this yeah absolutely and so then just like he was upset about, he wa- he unbeknownst to them, goes and finds another group of guys to play with, produces an album, a four-song album, which he says, hey, you know, any album's only got four good songs on it anyway, I'm just cutting off the fat. As it turned out, there were only really two good songs on the album. <laughs> so it still worked out to be about the same, but, but as a surprise to the remainder of the band, he releases Crazy From The Heat. Crazy From The Heat. he I, I guess this is the ego speaking right here he does an interview with David Letterman in early 85 talking about that album and that Dave is trying to find out what's going to happen with the rest of the band I think now's a good time on New Year's to decide whether you're going to be a hot dog or a little weenie <laughs> I have chosen to remain a little wiener for one more season. You're going to be a weenie for another year. Yeah, you bet. You're doing solo work. Does this mean that the band will soon be uh, breaking up? No, no. Now, that happens, you know. That does happen. That's that's the spinal tap story. No, I still have very very strong tribal instincts, and we'll be going into uh, the studio like the middle of this month and start arguing again, and we'll we'll come back out with an album sometime this year, hopefully. He he has this full expectation that the band's going to stay together, Mm -hmm. but you just... You can't do that. You can't be the guy who goes and trashes the meetings, the guy who berates somebody for going and doing work with other people, and then pull off this stunt and expect to remain in the band. He also had a movie deal on the table that was uh, 
annoying the band as well. Well, you know, as we've as I said earlier, he was the he was the directing force behind their videos, which are fantastic. I mean, they're great, well put together videos. He's obviously pay, playing a part in this. He's developed this kind of Dave TV idea, which is the you know it was the big thing for about five minutes. Yeah, yeah, he really really was coming up strong, but. There's only so much wind power that can take you when you don't have your name band behind you. That's right. So we've heard rumors that he was fired. We've heard rumors that he quit. Either way... I don't think there's any question that he made a decision that led to his exit from the band, but that 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 decision was probably not his to leave, but theirs to say, you don't belong here anymore. You've, You've pushed it too far. So... Dave's out. Dave is out. Dave's out in 1985. Right. At the pinnacle of their professional career. Right. And so everyone is wondering what's going to go on, including Eddie and Alex. They sure. don't know what they don't know what to do. Um, they don't know whether to get another bass player. They don't know whether to do a kind of compilation album where they've got multiple singers performing different songs with them, or to try to find one singer that they can go with. That's right. And the smart money at this time was was probably on Dave. Yeah, if you were if you were like, who am I going to back? Is it going to be Dave or Van Halen? I mean, Van Halen is not Van Halen without David Lee Roth. It's just not. And that's why Ted Templeman went with Dave to produce Eat Him and Smile. Right, and he called Eddie and said, I'm sorry, i got to go with Dave on this. And the crew, too. And Eddie said, that's okay, I don't really want you to produce our albums anymore anyway well he didn't take everybody don landy stayed with them don landy then became instead of the sound engineer he became the producer he became the new ted templeman all right so there's some discussion in 1985 about whether or not to hire a full-time lead singer or to just do an album with guest lead singers right but one of the so here are the names that are kicked around as dave's replacement and some of these blew me away uh by all accounts including hers and eddie's the lead option to replace Dave is Patty Smythe. Great voice. Not sure she's a fit for Van Halen. No freaking way. <laughs> no. All right. And uh, so she was uh, the lead option. I think she Patty was- Benatar. That would have been a great one. Patty Benatar could have been an option. Pat Benatar had some <laughs> kick-buck songs and was rocking back then. whale, man. All right, option number two, Jimmy Barnes, which if you've ever seen The Lost Boys, you're familiar with the song Good Times. Oh yeah, that was the one that he did with NXS. That's right. It's a great, it's a great tune, and he does. He's got a strong voice. I don't know if it's the right voice, but it's it's a, it's more it's deeper, more like Dave's. Yep, it's a, it's a screamer. It's a screamer. Yep. All right, and then option number three, a guy named Eric Martin, who you'll know if you have heard '90s music at all, the song "To Be With You" by Mr. Big. So come on, baby, come on over. Let me be the one to show you. So he was the lead singer for Mr. Big. He was. Okay, he was. that's an entirely different sounding voice. Absolutely softer. He's got, still got a raspy, good voice. Yeah, melodic. Um, but this is the one that blew me away. 
this was an actual offer on the table. Daryl Hall of Hollow Notes. I love Hall and Oates. I, I listen to the, I I listen to uh, Lion Eyes. Was it Lion Eyes? Private Eyes. Private Eyes. Lion Eyes is Eagles. Thank you. Yeah, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I listen to Private Eyes over and over, uh, but uh, not a Van Halen. How about How about Eddie and, playing Your Kisses on My Lips? Uh-uh. Or Kisses or on Unchained My Lips. Or Unchained Melody or something. Yeah. yeah. No, no way. All right, so there's very few people that can actually step in for Dave. They have to be established or the fan base will chew up. Chew up. Right. And they have to have balls of steel to get up there and rock out to these old ones and then pursue a new career with these guys. Right. So who do they go to? They go back to the Montrose guy. They call Sam Hagar. And it makes it, it does make absolute sense, and I thought so at the time. Um, you know, the... Uh, he had done very well with Montrose. He'd been very successful. Then he went out on his own solo career. Everybody knows the song "I Can't Drive 55." Love the video. Fast cars. Frustration with this. For you younger listeners. In the 1980s, no one was allowed to drive over 55 miles an hour anywhere in the United States. Can you imagine how horrible that was? Especially if you own a Lamborghini. That's right. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> I mean, that's just like, you know, here's the candy, but you can't keep the wrapper on that's it. That's right. Can't, yeah, <laughs> still, I don't, I, that'd be horrible. And so as it turns out that the Lamborghini that you see, in, well, maybe not that one, but a, a Sammy Hagar Lamborghini comes into play. Uh, with the joining of Eddie Van Halen That's exactly right. and Sammy Hagar. Sammy's car's in the shop. Right. At and the same time, Eddie's car's in the shop. Yeah, Eddie also had a Lamborghini, which, by the way, that is the, the, that is the uh, car engine that you hear in Panama. Yeah, we're running a little bit hot tonight. I can barely see the road from the heat coming up. That's that is Eddie's 1972 Lamborghini, but he's having trouble with it. He takes it to his mechanic and is down, and the mechanic says, "What's wrong, Eddie?" And Eddie says, "Man, I need a new lead singer." And he says, "Man, why don't you call Sammy?" Sammy from Montrose, right? So I, I thought this was interesting. So so Eddie actually takes his advice, calls Sammy, and says, "Hey, man, we'd love to." You come down with the jam with the band. Let's let's see what we got here and and uh, come down tomorrow. And Sammy's like, man, I ain't doing nothing tomorrow. I just got off tour. Yeah, he just shaved his head. I mean, it was. I mean, right. he cut his hair. He was. It was a. Uh, he had. He was on vacation. Right. I'm taking a break. And and honestly, he's one of the few guys that could say, I don't need you guys right now. That's right. I'm. I'm really successful on my own. I'm not Van Halen successful, but I'm successful enough for me. And he is a savvy businessman. If if you learn anything from his biography, it's that he 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 knows how to run a business, he's and he's sharp. a business guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's 
been around for a long time. He's older than all the rest of the guys, and he knows his stuff. So he's got no reason to have to do this, but he just says, you know, what the heck, it's, what's the harm in meeting? I heard him say publicly in an interview that he went initially to jam, see what see what they had, see uh-huh. what was going to go on, yeah. and hopefully entice Eddie to play on his next album. Oh, nice. To form a friendship, maybe Eddie will play on my next album. Right. Well, when they get together, he shows up, he said that uh, they're baked out of their minds. They are, they are drunk, and the whole place is covered in cigarette butts, and it smells like a, a bar that hasn't been cleaned in ten years. And right, um, and but then they, they start playing. They start playing, and magic happens. Oh yeah, he says to himself, "My gosh, if they can sound this good, completely burned out of their minds, these guys know how to party and they know how to play. This is my type of show." He said literally that day. Yeah, they played. And words just sort of came out of his mouth, uh-huh. and Summer Nights was born out of that jam session. Just, right, just, just flowed right out. Scatting, scatting the melody. That's it. Yeah. So uh, he's he's known as the Red Rocker at that point, um, and and he's uh, got his own fame. And so the first time that I saw him. Uh, other than in his video was during Farm Aid, which gosh, if you go back, you can search, you can do a YouTube search on this one and see the old Farm Aid video. Oh my, oh my, oh my. Okay, there's a song for you tractor full of mother out there. Come on, I can't drive. You know that. <laughs> um, he was he was a unique guy. He's he's very free with the language, very colorful. Yes. And he's with his regular band, and then he says, uh, "We was looking at a newspaper, right? And it said that Eddie was going to jam with me." And I thought, "Well, I didn't know that." But Eddie comes out, and they play together, and they do an old Led Zeppelin tune, and they kill it. They kill of it. Of course, they kill it. So I heard Sammy talk about how he really messed up because this was. For all the world to see, their first chance to play live as a group, and he bombs it with the big MFR, and they cut him off like they shut down. There's, it's no longer televised. Oh, so well, I saw a lot of cuss words whenever I watched it. I remember that. <laughs> so anyway, Warner Brothers. So it's kind of like a super group. You've got a very successful solo artist. You've got the three parts left over after Dave left. Right. Are we still going to be Van Halen? Right. Warner Brothers actually came to him and said, would you consider changing your name to Van Hagar? Which I think is interesting. I thought that was always just kind of a, a slang term. but Yeah, like a joke. or a, The first time I heard it was on the movie Joe Dirt. <laughs> no, sir, man. I don't like that crap. I'm a rocker, dude, through and through. Here's my favorite bands. ACDC, Van Halen, not Van Hagar. And Sammy's the one who says, no way, not doing it. Right. Um, so anyway, they, Sammy officially joins the band in 1985. And we will take that up on our next episode, part three of the Van Halen versus Van Hagar discussion. Right. Next week, Van Hagar. Wow. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Facebook. At Shirley Podcast on Twitter. At Shirley Podcast on Facebook. And don't forget to subscribe to our YouTube channel, the Shirley You Can't Be Serious Podcast channel. All music images and movie clips are used for the purposes of commentary and education in conjunction with the fair use agreement under the U.S. copyright law.